Welcome back to another episode of the ALG Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Arpino, otherwise known as J-Arp's Journey. Alongside me is David Roden, fit underscore D-Rock. And with us today is the one, the only, the man of the hour, Michael Gorman. Gourmet goes keto. Man, you are a legend, a legend on the Instagram. And now I would like to welcome you to a little project we like to call the Accountable Life Group. So, Michael Gorman, welcome. Thanks, man. I'm glad to be here with you guys today. Glad to uh, get, a ch- get a chance to, to be on the other side for once with you. Instead of always having to ask you the questions, <laughs> I, get to, I get to finally, you know, relax a little bit while you're around. Gourmet's in the hot seat. Today. You're on the hot seat, man. I don't know if relaxation is a part of the, part of the question here. Yeah, I'm a talker, though. I, I freaking, I, and I can tell my story. I sit and tell my story to homeless people all day if they'll listen. Like, doesn't matter to me. Like, I sit and tell my story to the food I'm cooking. Like, so I'll talk. I'm a talker. So, you know, I'm an open book, too. So whatever you guys want, whatever you guys got ready, I'm here for it. Are you like a one book only, or are you like a saga? Well, I'm, yeah, well I, I'm thousands of years older than you. We've established that before. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a couple stone tablets longer than a saga, I think. <laughs> Well, for those that don't know, uh, Gourmet has a great story. Gourmet is what I like to say, a person who's gone to hell and back twice and uh, lived to tell the tale. So, you know, Gourmet, I really want to hear your story with your own words, because I've read your story front and back a billion times, but I've never had the opportunity to actually sit down with you and have you tell me your story from front to back. So why don't you take us through your weight loss journey? Sure. Well, I, I think to, to get, get to the point that the weight loss journey started, I, I grew up a big kid. I, it, the funny thing is, like, I have memories of being, like, the fattest kid around. But I don't think that really – I was a chubby kid up until my parents got, started separating. And I think it was my parents' separation that probably started driving a lot of my food issues and my food insecurities and things along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I blew up. And around 10 years old, they put me on my first diet. It was Weight Watchers. Uh, I was 220 pounds at 10 years old. Uh, my parents freak out. Um, there's there's long stories of it kind of trust breaking that happened at that point with my family. You know, they they said they weren't going to tell everyone in the family how much I weighed. They did. Like there was a lot going on. So for a ten year old, there I was. You know, being put on Weight Watchers, being paid to lose weight. So mm-hmm. I started on my first weight loss journey. I lost all that weight. You know, by the time seventh grade came around, I was like 110 pounds. Went back to school, a different kid. Uh, because of the aforementioned divorce, we ended up moving. And a big part of, of me finishing the diet was, you know, as, especially as a kid, when a diet ends, you think you're done. So right. I went right back to eating crap. Like I was paid to lose weight. I was paid $3 a pound. And wow. I remember spending every dollar I was paid. My, well, my mom made me spend half of it on school stuff. I had to buy clothes for school and all that jazz. But the other half I spent on candy and McDonald's pretty much. Candy, McDonald's, and comic books was pretty much what I spent that money on. I remember going to the, the penny candy store because I'm that old that we had counters where you could buy candy for a penny. Like you pick things out. I want 10 of those and 10 of those, that kind of thing. And I remember just buying a bag of Swedish fish bigger than my head and it being like the best day of my life. And that was after I had ended my diet. I so very quickly and rapidly put weight back on, which is another characteristic of my journey. By the time I was 16, I was around 350 pounds. My parents freaked out again and told me they were going to take my car away if I didn't get on Weight Watchers again. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Um, the anecdote from that time is when I, when I did it when I was 10, they, you weren't allowed to bring a 10-year-old to a Weight Watchers meeting because, wow, wow like they, they actually were thinking about the health of, of children, like not putting them right. right in that cycle. But at 16, I could go to meetings, and it was me – 
in a room of middle-aged women on Tuesday nights. And I remember because those first couple of weeks, like I was dropping weight, like a, a rock star, you know, 10 mm -hmm. pounds, 12 pounds, nine pounds. And so I think I hit the 50 pound ribbon or metal or whatever the heck it was they give you at Weight Watchers back then before it was WW and all was real cool. Um, they used to give out ribbons like you were an animal at a fair. They'd pin it on you and everything. <laughs> and I remember getting called up in front and for the 50 pound ribbon and the, the, the leader was like, this is the fastest I've ever had anyone in my group ever get the 50 pound ribbon. And she told the story and everyone clapped for me and sat down. And I sit down behind this rather large woman who turns around, looks me in the eye, points her finger like an inch from my face and says, you're nothing special. Men lose weight fast. So don't get excited about it, kid. And then she turned Jesus. back around and she literally turned back around and started eating rice cakes from her purse. And I was like, oh, that for me is like the quintessential moment of what a Weight Watchers meeting is. Like someone sitting there judging the other people that are in the room, eating rice cakes from a purse. Like, and it's different now, probably I'm sure, whatever. Um, but for me, that was that moment. So my weight went up. I lost some weight. I graduated high school around 200 pounds, went to college, immediately went right back up to like 275. My, my college campus had a lot of hills. So I think that helped me keep my weight down during college. I stayed in the, the high 200s. I remember my senior year of college, I think I crossed the 300 pound mark again. And then as soon as I was out of college, living on my own, working, paying everything on my own, all of that jazz, my weight ballooned. And I was very rapidly up over 450 pounds. So that I, I was over 450 pounds for decades. Um, and then I, I got over 500 pounds. I got up to 540 pounds eventually in the wow. early 2000s, like right after the millennium. And I stayed there for a while. I, I, was, um, I would make half-hearted attempts. I would work with a friend that was a trainer and we'd go to the gym for a little bit and I'd lose 75 pounds and decide it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. I'm the king of, of losing weight and gaining weight. I like to say like my body is great at getting rid of it and putting it back on really fast. So I, I left that job that I was in. I was working as a residence hall director in a college. I've been doing that for almost 15 years at that point. And I left because I was getting too big to do the job. Uh, when I had to respond to emergency calls and have to call EMTs and all of that, they would think they were coming for me because of how bad I was breathing and how red faced wow. I was. And I could barely stand and, you know, life at 540 pounds, especially because I'm not not six five like like you, uh, right. Mr. Arpino. Like I, I'm I'm more like five ten, and so I was a rather rotund 540 pounds. I, I would say there probably wasn't much muscle on my body at that point. I had an 84 inch waist, and I through a series of events moved cross country. You know, things didn't really work out there. It was when the economy crashed. Things mm -hmm. kind of got worse. And I found myself back on the East Coast. I'd actually lost a little bit of weight on what I called the poverty diet because, surprise, surprise, when you don't have the money to go to the fast food restaurants three or four times a day, you lose weight, you know, whether you're trying to or not. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. as much as people want to, don't want to, as people want to always say diets are about magical combinations of food, you know, and I'm even in the keto sphere, like, when you, when you have a lack of access to food, you know, you lose weight naturally. Mm -hmm. So I lost some weight, but as soon as I was working again, the weight came right back on. And I lost the job that I had and decided I had to, I, I was, you know, over 500 pounds, could barely walk, could barely walk in, you know, into an office, never mind, present myself for an interview, right. could not at that point, couldn't go in a DXL and find clothes that fit me. So if I needed clothes for an interview, I was waiting weeks for them to arrive from a catalog and wouldn't know if they would fit. And often they wouldn't when they arrived because the sizing is just ridiculous when you're, when you're that big, like, I don't think they follow patterns. I think they just slap together, 
you know, tent material and send it to you and hope you'll be <laughs> fine with it. Like it's ridiculous. And so I, I realized that if I was going to find work, I had right. to lose weight. And that really was my big motivator at that point. Like, um, getting, getting myself back to work. So I started losing weight. I, I at that time, you know, I, as a lot of big people do, I, I paid attention to diet trends and what mm -hmm. was hot and what was people were losing weight with and what was big. And I had really started to dive a little bit into the paleo sphere at that point, you know, reading a lot of books by um, like the Hartwigs who put together the whole 30 program and uh, Mark, Mark Sisson's primal blueprint and books along those lines. And so I decided paleo was it for me. I really get into ingredient quality and sourcing and, you know, grass fed meats and things along those lines. And I went from 540 pounds to 210 pounds in 2013. My goal was to hit 210 pounds by my 40th birthday. Wow. I did that. Uh, it was fantastic. I had like four birthday parties to celebrate. Um, it was also very weird um, because that was also when everyone decided to tell me they had thought I was dying before and were just afraid to tell me. So wow. had a lot of experiences where people were like, I'm so glad you lost the weight. Like people I hadn't seen in years came to these parties and would say, you know, I'm so glad you lost the weight because I just always expected I was going to get a call that you were dead. It's like, oh, Crap. well, it's really good to see you too. It's really, yeah. I mean, thanks. that doesn't it's make really, you feel any better. Yeah. Like it's, and it's, and it's kind of one of those things where you start to think about like, well, why didn't you say anything before? Like you right. never said anything before, but I also knew I was open to hearing it if they said it. I did have one friend at one point when I was 500 pounds, uh, write me a letter and say that he couldn't watch me kill myself with food anymore. And if I didn't change, he was going to have to step out of my life. And he did. Cause I told him to, you know, F off. I was like, you're not changing me. You know, that was wow. kind of the attitude I had. And it was a really good friend and it damaged our relationship. And, we, and we've reconnected since then. And, you know, things, you know, just aren't the same as they right. were then. So like, that's, that's, that's you a know, whole dynamic. I'm intrigued on yeah. real quick. Cause I, 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 yeah, the whole, that whole thing is so, cause the, the, the catch 22, I'm so, I get so caught up in this body positivity movement when it comes to mm. obesity and like, obviously there's a certain sense of you have to love your body. There's, it is yours, but mm -hmm fat in its purity is just stored energy as we all know oh, yeah. and it's yeah. like we have to strive for health now health has mm -hmm. a great balance to it so how was that when it came to i mean everyone's afraid to be that support like hey i, I want to tell you like this isn't healthy but at the same time i don't want to hurt your feelings more than you probably right. already are so how was that for you well it was it was it was one of those things like I remember the first party where it really happened like almost overwhelmed me like I went home that night and was just really upset like just realizing because it was just because as soon as it was almost like a cascade as soon as one person heard another person being honest then everyone decided it was time to be honest right and I think they really thought their intentions were good like I think their intentions were good like their intentions were more of oh thank God you're alive like, mm -hmm. like thank God you saved yourself we're so happy you saved yourself. But I don't think they realized what it sounded like, you know, to be on the receiving end of, well, I just really thought you were going to die all those years, or I just was worried all the time that you were going to die, or, you know, what you used to do was insane, or like all of these things. And it's like, okay, you know, and it's all things that I knew, like, mm -hmm. you, you don't, like, I, I've said before, I, I, I think talking to different people, you don't get over 500 pounds without some kind of intentionality to it. Like, not that you're racing to get to 500 pounds, like you're not chasing a number. 
but there's some intentionality in your behavior. You know, you're going against what you should be doing. Yes. And you're very aware. You know, of I what you're I very doing. much you know I very much knew you know that I was I built up that persona of being the happy fat guy, the the pro fat guy, yep. the the Guilty. fat positive guy. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, I. I, I remember I went to like a pro fat rally in Boston once, like, you know, all the, and that Wait, what was, was that like, I want to know what that um, was like. It was a lot like, this is going to sound awful. And, and like, I'm making a joke, but there was just a lot of straining chairs. Like <laughs> it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of folding chairs set up that like, I was just like, Oh, Oh, that's not a good idea. Like, why is, Oh, this is not smart. Like there, <sighs> there, someone could have talked to someone. Benches. Yeah, like there was a lot going on. Um, I will say that is a pride of mine. In yeah. my entire 400-pound uh, life, I never broke a chair. I don't know. Oh, no, go guys. home. Walk out the door. You can't even <laughs> yeah. be on this podcast anymore. I, I never tested it, though. Like, if oh. I didn't think a chair would hold me, I wouldn't sit in it. Well, oh, that, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I did that, too, but after I already knew that I was capable of breaking chairs. <laughs> I, I used to have friends that would want me to test chairs. Like, we would go somewhere new or to someone's house or to a backyard, and I had this one friend who would be like, I want you to sit in that chair and see what happens. And I'm like, I'm not gonna, you know what's gonna happen. He goes, come on, sit in the chair, see what happens. I'm like, if he gets mad that I break his chair, I'm not paying him for the chair. He goes, I'll pay for the chair, sit in the chair. <laughs> so I'd sit in the chair, the chair would go to the ground and he'd be like, the chair broke. And I, always, I thought it was hilarious, like, but I mean, like I broke, I mean, I've told the story before too. Like I broke a toilet seat off, a toilet off the wall at Epcot Center at Disney World, like the actual, one of those toilets that doesn't the have wall. the supports underneath it. Like it just smacked off the wall. We went to the ground, <laughs> water went everywhere, started flooding the bathroom. It was gushing out of the wall. You know, I, I walked out of the bathroom and I said to like the, the first cast member I saw, there's something wrong in that bathroom. <laughs> and like two days later, they still had like the do not enter tape across the door. But yeah, oh, I mean like savage. breaking things and like, but I think like, it's funny because like as much as like people were saying all those things to me, like that was really triggering a lot of stuff because it was, I, I chased the scale on that weight loss journey, but I didn't work on my mindset at all. I never worked on who I was. Like my identity was being the big guy and it really was rooted in that. Like in so many ways, like my work and everything was built around it. And I went on a vacation. You know, my birthday was the last week in April. I went on a vacation the first week in May. The last time I got on a scale then, you know, right before the you know vacation was May 1st, I was 210 pounds. I was so excited. I flew in one plane seat, I went to Disneyland and I went on everything. And then I, we even went to some like crappy little theme parks like mm -hmm. that were attached to golf courses, you know, like to miniature golf courses that had rides that like only kids should be getting on and I get yeah. on them and it was exciting. And I ate well, you know, I didn't go off my plan. Like I stayed pretty much almost to my plan except for two planned meals during that vacation. And I was so proud of myself and I'm flying home and I was at the airport and I was sitting there and I thought, you did so well on vacation, you deserve a break. You deserve a cheat. Like you never took a cheat while you were on vacation. And I think I did take a cheat when I was on vacation because I was afraid to do it in front of other people. Mm -hmm. You know, there was, I said, started to build up those patterns of shame around eating. And I was very much a sneak eater, you know, throughout my life. And right. I went to Arby's at the Baltimore airport because there's no Arby's here in Rhode Island, just for people who are like, well, you can go to Arby's anywhere. You can. Mm -hmm. um, I was <laughs> really? a huge huge no pun intended fan of the beef and cheddar from arby's and the curly fries and the jamocha shake i just so couldn't I wrap got, my head around how ex more expensive arby's is compared to every other fast food mm. joint i just can't wrap my head like if i'm going to eat fast food at least want to be cheap well yeah. you're, you're paying you're paying for quality pressed beef i think is what you're paying for with <laughs> arby's you know it's hard to keep that yellow cheese sauce, you know, at the proper temperature without ambient expensive lighting. <laughs> so I, there I was, Mr. Paleo. I ate 
three beef and cheddars and order of fries, you know, that of course have some kind of batter on them and the shake. So I put a crap ton of wheat in my body. So I got home uh, the next day I had to go to work and I was working as the office manager for a paint company at the time. And I felt like crap, like putting all the wheat and stuff into my body. Like I literally felt hungover the next day. And my boss noticed and was like, you just got back from vacation. You look sick as a dog. You probably caught something on the plane. You should go home. And I was like, yeah, I'll go home. So I went home and I knew going home that I was going home to an empty apartment in terms of food. So I was like, I got to stop at Whole Foods. I got to get chicken and broccoli because that's what you eat when you're being healthy. You eat chicken and broccoli. Mm -hmm. And I had the intentions of buying chicken and broccoli and probably some health, some grass-fed butter or something and leaving. And as I was walking through the Whole Foods, I noticed at the bakery that they had uh, maple bacon brownies on sale, which mm -hmm. this was back before bacon was on everything. And it was once a month they brought these brownies out. And I hadn't had them in over two years. And I was like, oh, this is a sign from the universe that I should have one of those brownies. So maybe I'll have a cheat meal. So I bought a, the brownies and I bought a pint of local ice cream that I hadn't had in years. And as I was in line to check out, I had in my head gone from, okay, you're going to have a cheat meal to let's turn this into a cheat day and get whatever you want. So on the way home, I went to McDonald's. And by the time I got home, I decided I was taking the weekend off. And I ordered a pizza that night and I got Chinese food the next day. And I woke up the next day and went to McDonald's for breakfast and got donuts and everything I hadn't eaten for years. And really, in chasing the scale to get to 210, I also had started really starving myself. Like, I wasn't doing it in a healthy way. I was just trying to get there no matter what. Right. So there my body was. No, you know, very little, you know, processed food for years. You know, very low, very low, low, low calories for, you know, probably six months or more. And there I was flooding it. So my body responded immediately. The food addict inside of me woke up. The mm -hmm. chemical hormonal reactions went crazy. And I put on 30 or 40 pounds that weekend, um, which obviously we know is water weight mostly. Right. Like you're not, gonna, you're not eating enough. Like there probably is definitely some fat from the amount I was eating. But go, even going through that, it was almost like it became thrilling. And I decided I was taking a week off, you know, and wow. I was like, okay. And I'm going to take a week off my diet because at that point I felt out of control and felt like mm -hmm. I needed like what, and here's like, and I don't think I've ever really expressed this thought in talking to anyone about this before, but what I think happened was I had the thought that this is the short window of time that I'm going to allow myself to eat these foods again. Mm -hmm. And there are some of them that I haven't gotten to yet. And I got to get to those foods before I put, I pulled the, I put the brakes back on. Yeah. So I, I decided I needed time to do that. So I decided to take a week off. And then by midweek, in my head, I really decided, well, you know, you could get back to like 300, 350 and probably live happy and be mobile and be active. Just keep going to the gym and stay paleo most days of the week and have cheat weekends and you'll be fine. You know, don't worry about it. Don't stress out. Like, just enjoy life. Go back to enjoying life because you weren't enjoying Like, I had to totally convinced myself that dining was miserable, all those things. Mm -hmm. And as, as John knows, so... It was May 1st of 2013. I was 210 pounds. And by October 12th of 2013, I was 480 pounds. Um, Insane. Insane. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, like, when I tell that story, there are people that don't believe it. And I'm like, well, I have, I have timestamp photos that I can show you of what happened to me that year. Like, and I can go into detail of what really, you know, like, it's not. I'm, and I'm, what, what benefit do I get? I'm not going to Guinness Book to try to get an award for the, right. the fastest weight gain ever. But I put on 100 pounds in a month and then put in six less than six months. It was a little over five months, five months and 10 days. Um, I put on uh, 270 pounds and stayed there for years. And, you know, that and at that point, 
it was happening so fast. It was like sand in your hands and you're trying to hold on to it and it's slipping through your fingers. And the only thing I had going for me was the high I was getting from eating. So it was like, I was losing my ability to work. Like I was losing my ability to work out. Like right. I was gaining mm-hmm. weight so rapidly that my body was just not physically strong enough to handle it. Um, I also, after consulting with doctors years down the line, you know, through another part of my story, think that during that, because at some point in my history, I had a heart attack and didn't know about it. I found that out in 2017, early 2018. And the doctors think it was probably during that time when I put on that weight because of the amount of water that my body was holding. And there were signs of, you know, even just a temporary episode of congestive heart failure from the edema I was, I described to them. And because I always avoided doctors. That's another part of, Mm -hmm. of my story is that fear. But um, so I got back up into the high 400s. I think the only thing that stopped me from getting over 500 pounds again, honestly, was um, that I had developed and refused to get diagnosed with diabetes. Um, my blood sugar was out of control. I had every symptom you could think of. I was urinating constantly, um, constantly, like every 30 to 40 minutes. I wouldn't sleep through the night. I would mm-hmm. get up to piss, to piss. And I knew, and the reason that I knew what it, what it was, because I knew if I ate low carb for a couple of days, it would settle down. You know, gotcha. if I cut carbs out completely for a couple of days, it would settle down. And I would have this, I was seesawing with that mm-hmm. for years, for two to three years. And I developed neuropathy in my feet, you know, numbness that eventually became searing, burning pain. Um, my legs, I, and even this was when I was bigger, but it started happening again. Like my legs used to swell and right. blow and rip and leak fluid and, if I got wounds on them, they wouldn't heal. Um, it would take a long time. And I knew, so what that brought me to was I knew my body was breaking down. I knew that um, I was going to die. I knew that that's where I was headed. And I- And how did you st- feel about that though? Well, like, what was your that, thought? Like- yeah, and, and instead, of, instead of being terrified and thinking right. I need to do something or- going to a doctor and doing something about it with a doctor, I basically accepted that I was going to die. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I decided I can't go through that fight again. I can't losing weight was so hard th- that because like literally when I, when I followed the, a paleo diet, like I white knuckled my way through all of that weight loss. So I white knuckled mm-hmm. my way through over two years, like of every day going to bed hungry and every morning waking up hungry. And I was just honestly mentally like, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I have the strength to do this. Like it's better to quote unquote, enjoy life as it is and accept it and die than anything else. And that was when um, I wrote a letter that I kept by my bed that was to my family because I was pretty sure at some point I wasn't going to wake up. And it was a letter addressed to them in an envelope by my bed so that if I was found dead, that someone would get it to them. And basically it was a, a big load of bullshit about, I lived a happy life and don't feel guilty and I don't want you to mourn me and celebrate and you know, all of that bullshit that I had to write down to allow myself to mentally continue doing what I was doing, like to continue along that road because I was, you know, it's cliche, but I was killing myself with food mm-hmm. and had convinced myself that I had no choice, convinced myself that it was the only thing I could do, that I wasn't strong enough to do anything else and had really accepted that. Like, wholeheartedly accepted that like to the point that I was like yeah I probably won't see 45 you know I won't see 46 like Mm -hmm. I won't see I definitely won't see 47 like so 
you know, I, and I think it even influenced like the way I lived my life, like in terms of like retirement planning and like all of those things, like I didn't think I was going to live long enough. So why worry about any of that? So right. I agree. I, I definitely yeah. agree on that. I can certainly say during my younger years when I could have taken advantage of putting away money for adulthood, I didn't because I just didn't think I would get here. So I definitely right. feel like I relate to that on a, on a big scale. But I want to ask you, do you think that when you started your weight loss journey and you, you did the Weight Watchers as a, as a kid, because I did Weight Watchers as a kid also, I was that young kid in the, in the class with all the older women. Do you think programs like Weight Watchers, they don't, really allow you to break the food addiction Mm. especially when it comes to the point system like being that you're so keto like you are the keto god let's just get Mm -hmm. that out of the way what is your what is your um thought and ideology on programs like weight watchers where instead of counting calories and and really paying attention to what you're actually consuming everything just has a point value and if you meet within the certain points you're you're fine it doesn't matter what you eat well i i think one I think Weight Watchers is different from when we did it now. So right. like, I, I, can't, I can't speak to the way it is now. Like the, the programs are very different. Um, I think every diet has its merits and its challenges. And I think mm-hmm. every person reacts to different things differently. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, like even in keto, there's, when people ask me how to do keto, I, I tell them there's a million different ways to do keto. And you got to find the one for you that works right. And I think the same thing goes for diets like that. Like, I think the bigger thing that most diet plans like that are missing, and I don't even know if they're necessarily missing them, I just think people overlook this piece, is what happens after. Right. What happens, what happens once you're ready to be done losing weight? Right, when you go into how maintenance. Do you, yeah, yeah how, do you, how do you transition into maintenance in a way that you can live forever? Like, are you gonna count points forever? Are you gonna count macros forever? Like, what are you gonna do going forward? Because obviously, if you just, even if you just step off your diet plan with the best of intentions of quote unquote, eating like a normal person, mm-hmm. if you've been 500 pounds, you're not a normal person when it comes mm-hmm. to food. You're just not right. like, you're literally not. And anyone who says that they are is a liar. Like, yeah, it's like, like, Oh yeah. As soon as, as, soon yeah. as you get to where you need to be, I'm, I'm the same way. It's like the, the mo the, the biggest misconception with most nutritional programs out there is they all at the end of the day have the white knuckle approach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm use this program to lose 40 pounds. That's not the point. Right. Right. And, and, and the thing I think is like, cause one of the things like through the, the podcast that I do, like I've realized is there are guys that have had success using different ways of eating that I use, mm-hmm. but I know I've tried most of the ways that they've used. And so what that was like for me. So I, I just think it has to do with like, it really, you have to make it individual and you have to find, cause I think any diet can work. Like if you white knuckle through it, like any plan can work. But if you actually find the elements of, of a program that you can actually sustain and live with, and you don't feel like you're white knuckling through, then, then that's, that's what you need. And if that mm-hmm. for you is a point assigned list of food that Weight Watchers creates with different colors on it, or if it's tracking macros with keto, or just tracking, you know, eating foods that you going carnivore and knowing that you're eating completely no carbs, or if you're, if it fits your macros and you want to make you know, protein pop tarts, you know, and, and frosting bowls, like, and which is not whatever, if, if it fits your macro person does, I know that, but I'm just saying there's a lot of yeah. them out there on YouTube that yeah, yeah, you yeah. do that, like admit that they do, you know, and, and it looks fantastic, but I, I think you have to be willing to figure out for yourself. And I think we, as people, we want things handed to us. We want the answer yes. handed to us. Yes. We want it to be so easy. Like I did, like, Again, this shows how old I am. I did uh, Richard Simmons' deal meal for a long time, especially when I was in college. 
Like, you and know, it was I new had, then. It was brand it new. Was, I had a wallet that had cards, and you would move your cards from one side to the other. And when you finished with your cards, you were done eating. And I freaking loved it. I ate it up. I wrote him one of those tearjerker letters, and I got a, an autographed picture sent back with him chained to a giant fork and a letter, and it was really great. Um, but at the end of the day, what, that's what people want. They want you just to give them – like even now I get messages from people that want to try keto that say, can you just tell me exactly what you're eating? And my response is always what my, what I eat will have nothing to do with what you should be eating. Right. You know, I am a, you know, I am a 200 something pound man, you know, who has lost 300 pounds. You are a 450 pound man who hasn't even tried to diet in 10 years. You're in a completely different place than I am. So please, please don't eat what I eat, you know, figure out what you should be eating. And I think, then that's when people are like, well, I don't want to do that. Or that's too much work or it's too hard. And it's like, life is hard. Like this is not losing weight is simple. Once you figure out what tool is going to work for you, but it's right. hard because you have to keep doing that work. And there's still, I, I still like, even with keto, there were nights that I white knuckled because like my food addiction is such a big part of my mentality. Mm -hmm. It's not just a physical hormonal response. So just eating, you know, the ketogenic way that I eat, takes care of some of the physical side of that addiction, but the mental side is something I still needed to work on. Like, right. you know, there's, there's no, I just want, I would just want people to realize there isn't one answer for every person and you have to be willing. And even if that means working with a coach or working with someone else to help you figure it out, which I think is an amazing thing to do. Um, Cause it helped me a lot, but you need to figure it out for yourself in the end how you feel and how you respond to food and what foods you feel better eating and mm -hmm. i think it, it starts to come down individually to specific foods like when i first started losing weight there were whole swaths of foods that i would say i'll never eat that again you're that whole food group i'll never eat that again and now it's more i look at okay let me try x and see how i respond to x and now let me move on to y and see how i respond to y and let me move on to z okay now i know x is something i shouldn't really keep around but y and z are things that i can't handle like Right. You have to be willing to do that kind of investigative work. And mm -hmm. it's a lot of work to be big. Like it's a lot of work, you know, it's a lot of work yeah. to stay over 500 yeah, pounds, yeah, like yeah. to build a life that stays, you know, to make enough money to eat all that food, you know, to make up the excuses you make to handle social obligations and mm -hmm. family stuff and all of those things and handle relationships and all of that. Like it's a lot of work. You have to take that same amount of energy and put it into this, this other side of your journey. Like you just have to. Like yeah, well, I, oh, God, God, uh, I just love, I mean, it's, I just, whenever I get my, my DMS of people asking me different questions, um, one of my favorite processes, I always explain, I'm like, Hey, I can give you a fish and then you're going to, you're going to have to need me for the rest of your life. I want to teach you to fish right. so you can live right. a sustainable life to yourself. Right. There's a huge right. difference. Exactly. And I mean, like I tell everyone, um, the reason why I've always felt that diets don't work, and I said I said this on Gourmet's Fat Guy Forum, when you look at a diet, it has a beginning and an end, and everyone just wants to get to that end. They don't want to put in the work to actually change their lifestyle. And when I get DMs all the time, well, how do you lose weight? And I, I tell them you have to change your lifestyle, and they look at me like I have nine heads. What, what people don't understand is you had to change your lifestyle in order to get to 500 pounds, you know? So you have to change your lifestyle now to reverse that. Being 500 pounds, like Gormy said, that's a difficult process. That's a lot of, of just changing your eating habits. But now you have to go back and you have to rework all that and change those eating habits again. Nobody looks at the, the way up as work, but that was work mm -hmm. we were all putting in. Regardless mm -hmm. whether it was easy work or we enjoyed the work, it was work. 
And now if you want to change your life, it's just not like that. Right. You have to go and you have to change everything top to bottom. There's not going to be a point. You can, see, this is, and, and I'm going to bring this back to Weight Watchers right now because I have a, a not a vendetta against Weight Watchers, but I have a certain feeling when it comes to it. Now, I'll be honest. I know people on Weight Watchers. My stepmom's on Weight Watchers right now. And the, again, the problem with what I don't like about Weight Watchers, I'm going to get so many DMs after this episode, watch, mm. is because of this point system. This point system teaches you nothing about eating correctly. Um, I tracked, you know, I didn't let my stepmom know, but I tracked what she was eating. And according to her point system, let's just say her breakfast was a nine point breakfast. Okay. She was already 2000 calories deep in her nine point breakfast. That to me, that doesn't make any, you're not, you're not burning calories here. You're not, you're not putting yourself in a caloric deficit. Mm -hmm. So that to me, that's why these diet fads, they, they never work because you're not correcting anything. Well, and I think, and, and again, you know, I'd push back on you a little bit. And I think mm -hmm. there are people that do it right and, right and do learn about nutrition. You know, I've got, you know, I've got a, a good friend who has lost 200 pounds on Weight Watchers and is doing amazing. Um, right. Like, or 200 pounds. But I, here's the thing that I think really happens with those kind of diet plans is it goes back to that wanting something handed to you. Mm -hmm. Because then if, if, it, if you decide you want to go off of it, you can blame that diet. Because it's not about blaming the life you built for yourself. It's about blaming a specific hand set of instructions someone handed you. Oh, Weight Watchers didn't work. Let me order a pizza. You know, Jenny Craig didn't work. Let me go to the McDonald's drive-thru. Right. We're all about, especially if, you, if you've got food issues, whether you're a food addict or you just have food obsession or you, you're someone that overeats, you know, and has that as a coping mechanism for your emotions. We're fantastic at excuses. And mm -hmm. I think that's a great excuse is the diet didn't work. Mm -hmm. Not that you didn't do the work. Because again, I, I honestly think every diet could make every person lose weight. Like even people that say they hate the keto diet could lose weight doing the keto diet. I could lose weight doing a, a, a standard bodybuilding diet, you know, mm -hmm. eating rice, chicken, and broccoli six times a day. I could. Would I be happy, you know, and feel satiated for me and like all those things? Like those aren't the questions I'm answering right now. What I'm saying is right. you could if you did that work, it's not that the diet doesn't work. It's just that that diet isn't the right fit for you. Isn't something you could see as sustainable or just wasn't something you were in the mood to do at that time. Like mm -hmm. a lot of times, like, you know, for me going off diets was about mood. It was about just saying I was done. Like I was right. ready to eat again. Like it was right. not about, you know, something major happening. And like, that's, you know, and that was one of the big changes that happened when I finally did find keto. Well, uh, that's what I was just going to bring this to. Like, so how and, and when did you find sure. keto? And how did you incorporate so, it at first into your life? Sure. So I, I, I told you how in 2013, I got back up to the high 400s and stayed there. Um, like, again, most big people, I stayed on top of what was going on in the diet world. And the K word, the keto word had started to pop its head up a little bit when I was losing weight the first time, but I was very much in the paleo world. And I was, you know, building my plate, like I was a caveman, yada, 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 whatever, mm -hmm. um, whatever bullshit I was feeding myself at that time. Um, and so I started to hear this being talked about and I got interested in it. And I, I saw a couple people that I respected talking about it. So I, I started listening to some different podcasts. I discovered this guy named Jimmy Moore, mm -hmm. who was, has a podcast. His original one was called live in La Vida low carb. Uh, he was the low carb guy and he wrote a book called keto clarity. Right. that I bought in 2016. I bought it in 2016. I also bought the book 
Fitness Confidential by Vinny Tortorich, who was mm-hmm. a trainer to the stars in Hollywood, was kind of his claim to fame. Right. He proposed his he's the proponent of what he calls NSNG, which is no mm-hmm. sugars, no grains, which is at the end of the day, when I, I read both of the, when I did eventually read both of those books, I'm like, these are both ketogenic. Um, it's just that they call them different things. And mm-hmm. he actually has come around to realize that and, you know, become a part of the keto community. But I didn't really look at those books. I didn't really do anything with it. I just knew it was there. And I kind of had it in my head that it was something I might try, but I might not. And I went on a family vacation to the Bahamas Christmas of, of 2016, New Year's of, of 2017. and it was physically an awful time. It was my first time traveling with my family in decades because I would always make excuses to not be on trips or find reasons to not be on them because I didn't want them to see the shape I was in. And I went on this trip because I was like, I got to go on it. We're all doing it. We're going for Christmas. And, you know, physically it was just a horrible trip. Um, That didn't really change anything for me, but it was February of that year that my parents were making the decision that they were going to, Uh, take guardianship of two small children. Um, And my dad had a conversation with me that where he said, like, look, you know, if we do this, I know I'm not going to live to see them graduate college. He goes, statistically, in our family, men don't live that to be that age. So I need to know you're going to be around to help. And, and it wasn't him lecturing me about my weight or anything along those lines. So he that was something he'd gotten past a long time ago. Like, it was him having to share this fear that he had for himself. And I went home that night and cried a lot and realized that the reason I was crying was because I had already decided I was going to die before my father. So I was going to have to let him down. And could I live with that? And was that something I wanted? And it just threw a lot of things into question for me and led to a weekend of a lot of emotions and trying to figure things out and realizing that I didn't just want to be there for my parents and the children, uh, I wanted to live. Like I I realized that I was accepting death and that I needed to fight if I wanted to live and I was going to have to do something big. And I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. I flip a switch when I do things like this. I don't, I don't gradually, like when people say, did you, did you just take one food out of your diet at a time and slowly move it? No, it was like 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. I cleaned out my house. Um, I threw away probably four or five garbage bags of food. And I pared it down to what would fit a keto diet and started the next morning and went to the grocery store after work that day. And that was the middle of February of 2017. And I started from there and I started with what was, it would be called like a lazy keto approach. I was just counting net carbs. I wasn't counting fats and proteins. I was eating dissatiation. I think I had a good handle on portioning and how to incorporate fat and things along those lines because of being paleo and being low carb paleo for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it really was more about I had to pay attention to the carbs and especially being that big, the weight just starts to drop off anyway, even if you're not necessarily tracking tight, you're just changing the things you're putting in your body. Gotcha. So I, that's where things got started for me. So if you can just really quick, because uh, yep. I, I don't know enough and I'm sure there's someone listening who doesn't know enough. What is yep. the differences between the keto and the paleo diet? Well, the paleo diet is primarily, um, no, no grains, no legumes, which is no beans, things along mm-hmm. those lines. Um, you're not eating any um, pr- added sugars, any unnatural, any processed sugars, things along those lines. Some, some people allow honey, some people don't, depending on mm-hmm. how they, they approach it. You're basically eating meats, vegetables, and animal fats at the end gotcha. of the day. Um, you're not eating any vegetable oil. You do allow olive oil because that's considered different. Um, 
and you're building your plate primarily that way. You're eating a lot, of, but it's it's a little heavier vegetable focus than than keto is. Um, you're not tracking anything really when you're when you're following a paleo diet necessarily. You're focusing your diets on these what, and you think about ingredient quality. I think is another big thing that comes up in paleo. The idea of how were the animals raised? You know, are you eating grass-fed meat? Are you eating pasture-raised eggs? Are you eating pastured pork? Like, where, how are your chickens raised? Like, things right. along those lines start to come into question. And you're eating very few processed foods. Like, the idea of, of things being processed is something you try to take out of the equation. If anything is processed, it's something that probably has, like, two or three ingredients to it, and it was just put together by someone else, and then you're buying it put together already. But you could make it yourself. Gotcha. Um, keto is a completely different thing because keto really is a metabolic state like ketosis ketosis is a metabolic state brought about by the reduction of carbohydrates now protein fat level and all of that is something that you end up figuring out what works works best for you um i still say that i'm more kind of on that paleo keto side of things because 95 percent of the time the food i eat is still very much in that that paleo blueprint i i don't I don't see keto and paleo as two separate things. I see right. them as, as different levels that could be applied properly because there are people that are eating a paleo diet and are in ketosis and don't even think about it because they're mm-hmm. just eating very low carb, you know, sticking to green vegetables and meats and, and higher animal fats. And they're staying away from the sweet potatoes and the squashes and all of those things that some people do get go in on heavy and fruits and things like that. Um, keto is, you know, at the end of the day about carb restriction for me, um, I started out counting net carbs, which is a big thing with people. And net yeah. carbs is you subtract fiber and sugar alcohol, and you get the net or the impact carbs that are going to affect your, your blood glucose and also the caloric intake of the food because the, it's said that your body doesn't digest fiber and sugar alcohols. Mm-hmm. The actual science of it is a little more complex at the end of the day, and we mm-hmm. do process some of it and do take in some of those calories. And what I eventually learned was – and, and this will piss off, this will get me the DMs, John, that uh, when you're counting net carbs, it's usually because you want to eat a lot of bullshit keto food. You want right. to eat a lot of processed tr- treats and junk and mm-hmm. snack chips that sometimes people give away. Um, right. And I will admit, I'm not looking at anyone, but, um, you know, bars, Quest bars, all that shit. Like, yeah. don't people you, love don't those you things. talk crap about my Quest bars? Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, like, but how much fiber is in those things? Like, yeah. so at, clearly... But here's the thing. I, I say count total carbs, like, because mm-hmm. I think total, total carbs then makes me have to make a definitive decision on eating that Quest bar that I'm going to eat, you know, the full carb impact of that bar when, it, when I put it into my body. So instead of being, I can have four or five a day, which then drives other cravings for me, because I think that's the other thing that's intertwined into all of this. Mm-hmm. It's like how you apply these tools has to do with how you react to food. Like, I know people, like, I have some really good friends that have lost a massive amount of weight on the ketogenic diet that eat the most incredible looking keto desserts every freaking day. And they start the day with a quest bar or they start mm-hmm. the day with a heck bar. Or they start the day with a built bar. You know, they are able to eat that and zoom through their day and not feel bad at all. I eat one quest bar and I want four more quest bars. Right. I eat one built bar. I want four more built bars. I bring three of them in the house and I know all three of them are going to go away. Like I, I think it's, again it's that individuality of what mm-hmm. works best for you right. i do i do say to people like i think because i think you can still be ketogenic if you're eating like a, a higher total carb load if you're eating 40 total carbs a day if you're eating 45 total carbs a day um you can still be completely ketogenic like it's it's not taking you out of that whereas i think someone who is deluding themselves saying they're eating 20 grams of net carbs a day but really they're eating 170 200 total carbs um, 
they're doing a lot of things to their digestion and to their health that they're not thinking about, like that they're not thinking about like, exactly. Like, you know, when, when you talk to someone, when, especially when you talk to someone who's on like a whole foods ketogenic diet and they're telling you that they're going to the bathroom four or five times a day to crap, they're eating a lot of fiber. They're eating a lot of, a lot of sugar alcohol. So are you even counting calories or you're just counting carbs? No, I count calories. Like I, at the beginning, I didn't. At the beginning, I didn't. Um, that, like so, and again, like it's that question of like, where am I at now versus where I was then? Right. You know, technically now I'm I'm kind of in that maintenance place. Uh, you know, I got a couple COVID pounds I'm trying to drop, but I'm still more <laughs> at a maintenance level. Um, that's a whole other story. But I I I for the first 180 or so pounds of my weight loss, I didn't count anything except um, keeping my net carbs under 25. And gotcha. You know, I didn't even record it. It was more I would add it up in my head as I went throughout the day. Right. And then everything else I just ate until satiation. Right. And then I started to realize that I wasn't really, I was white, having to white knuckle it through days more. My weight was starting to stall. And obviously, like, I'll throw this out there. I firmly believed it's not a stall on your weight loss until it's been over a month. Right. Like, one or two weeks at the same weight is nothing. It's just your body adjusting. Take a deep breath mm-hmm. and move on. Follow your mm-hmm. plan. Um, but I was, you know a month and a half, two months into my weight, not moving, I was starting to put weight back on. And I realized it was because I was starting to overeat on ketogenic foods. And because I wasn't tracking, I had no control. Like wait, I literally wait, had you're put telling myself, me you're, you're telling me you can go super low carb and still gain weight. Oh, completely. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. Um, yeah. yeah, you can, you can gain weight all sorts of ways. Um, and that's the thing is like, the, there are like, I have a lot of friends that are carnivore, a lot of friends that are carnivore. And they're like, the best thing, the best thing about carnivore is, you know, you will, you can just eat till you're satiated and you will never overeat and you'll never gain weight. And I'm like, you have never seen me in front of a chuck roast. You don't understand. (laughs) You don't understand. Like John can, John will understand this. Like, uh, put me in front of a a catering pan full of roasted Italian sausages, no sauce, nothing needed. I'm going to friggin' eat the whole damn thing. Like I'll eat it'll three go, racks of ribs. Don't question me, boy. <laughs> exactly. Or when someone says, well, would you overeat on chicken breast with just salt and pepper on it? Yes, yes. I would. Yes, yes I, I would. I would. <laughs> I, a, a nice juicy chicken breast, I will set up four roasted chickens in front of me and I will go to town. Yep. So mm-hmm. I was overeating and needed. I knew what I needed to do was to start tracking. I needed to start tracking my calories. I needed to start working on my macro profile. And I started to try to figure that out on my own and realized that I was not bright enough at that point to figure that out on my own. Right. And was starting to get lost and get lost in all the, the questions and the answers and all the different ways to do it. And I decided to connect with a coach and say, I, I want to try, you know, the way that you're approaching it. You know, I'd like to work with someone to help me set this up and tweak them for me weekly. And, you know, so I started tracking calories and macros very tightly. And that was mm-hmm. uh, October of 2018. Um, and I was just so anyone that's, that's hearing this, when you say track, can you walk someone through sure. that? Just your general process? Sure. For me, tracking, tracking is, is basically the planning of, of my eating for the day. Like I'm a pre-tracker. There are some people that track their food and that you enter the, what you ate, the exact quantity of food into an app. And at the end of the day, you look at your numbers and see where you're at. And then sometimes they'll be like, oh, I need some more protein and I need some fat. So I'm going to grab an egg or whatever. Uh, I get a little bit of a thrill out of pre-planning my food. So for me, that means sitting down and looking at the a couple of days in advance, what I'm going to eat, exactly what it's going to mean. Right. You track the grams of, of fat, protein, and carbohydrate. And I will say, like, you know, I don't, because I also don't want the people that rail against calories in, calories out out there to, like, be bunching their underwears up a lot. Like, yes, 
does my body need the same amount of calories every day and burn the same amount of calories every day? No, it doesn't. You know, we're not homeostasis, you know, we're not in the homeostasis, you know, metabolically every day. But by doing this, I hit an average that helped me lose weight. You know, mm -hmm. it got things under control. Um, one of the things that really worked for me that I'm, I'm a proponent of for me, not for anyone else, but if you want to try it, you can try it is, well, anyone else I think should try it if they have some of the same issues I did. But I found the greatest satiation, mental focus, and relief from my food cravings when I ate a higher fat ratio ketogenic diet. Like I, and by higher fat, I mean I'm talking over 75%, like in the 78 to 80% ratio. Wow. Um, I was eating 10 grams of total carbs a day, uh, which at first to people sounds insane because they can't think of anything that would fit into that. And eventually you realize there's a whole lot of foods you can fit in. You can eat a giant mixing bowl full of arugula and baby spinach, and there's a whole lot of other stuff you can do. Um, but for me, taking it to that place allowed me to feel the strength I needed to start addressing the mental side of my cravings and my food addiction and be able to face those mind games as mind games and not just as physical cravings. So for me, I see diet helped take care of the hormonal physical thing that I needed taken care of. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to, working with my coach, work on mindset and the thing, the stress I was dealing with and how I was starting to let, because I always used to say I was never an emotional eater. And what I eventually have realized is I just ate all the time to numb my emotions constantly. Yeah. So now like I, I feel emotions very strongly. I get strong fits of anger and sadness and rage and, and joy and all of those things because I never built the coping mechanisms to deal with those emotions like most average human people do because I just mm -hmm. stuffed myself with food for so long. So I had to work on that and figure out new ways to deal with those things and realize that when I had a day when I had eaten all my food and was raging hungry, do I, I can sit down and say, okay, what really happened today that might be influencing this that isn't just about food? Mm -hmm. You know, is it that you're actually hungry or did something else happen? And then by doing that at first with a coach and, you know, and now on my own, like I can say, well, you're really stressed out about work or you're really stressed out about this. or you're really stressed out about that. Like that's a change. And you're not realizing that that change could be impacting how you're feeling. And a lot of times it's almost magic. Like acknowledging those emotions can then make those cravings go away. You know, make right. that hunger that disappear. Massive. For yeah. me. And, and it really, and it, but it, it's, it's like the hunger thing is my body's default reaction to everything. Mm -hmm. So I have to figure out what's really going on to that. Mm -hmm. And then there, honestly, though, there are some days I sit down and I go, there's nothing stressing me out. I'm just a little hungrier today than I have been before. And I make a decision. Do I eat something or do I not eat something? Because mm -hmm. the other thing that I would throw out there, like is one of those general platitudes for people that are trying to lose weight. Some days you're going to be hungry. You're right. going to be hungry. That's it's going to happen. Yeah. It's just, it's just life. It's just life. Yeah. Deal with so, it. So I, I find you... it fascinating too with like, so I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of, it, it depends on what level, obviously. Um, there's a good a lot of, because again, I, I eat, I would say 90% of the time to fuel my body and then 10% mm -hmm. of the time for taste and convenience and joy. Yep. Um, and so I'm a huge proponent of extended fasts occasionally. Mm -hmm. So like all the different oh, yeah. good scientific behind it. I found it fascinating um, figuring out the difference of feelings for myself. The first time I did a five day fast, Mm. find the difference between bored hunger and real oh, yeah. hunger. I'm like, after I did my first five day fast, I was like, okay, I'm sitting on the couch. I feel hungry. Am I really hungry or am I just mm -hmm. bored hungry? And then I oh, thought yeah. about, it, I was like, I, I associated back to day two of an extended fast. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just bored. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 
Well, and that's the thing is like, I, I, that is the thing that I think every person, especially someone who deals with food issues has to try to, to figure out for themselves is what is that difference between real hunger and an emotional hunger, like mm-hmm. bored, hungry, real hunger, like emotional hungry, you know, whatever it is, you know, yeah. whatever me- reasons driving that hunger, like, and once you figure out what that is, like, then you can start to identify those mind games more. You can start to realize that it is a mind game and that it is something your head is playing with you. And it's not actually that you're hungry. Like, you're not starving and you're not going to die. Like, it really is. There's some kind of game going on. Because I, I had someone the other day, like, literally ask the question, Did the, you know, when you lose the weight, do the mind games ever go away? And I said, no, the mind games don't ever go away. You just get better at identifying them and playing the game. You get better at the strategy you need to win at those games. Right. And it doesn't mean that you're fighting it all the time and that my, the craving voices are as overwhelming as they used to be for me. But I have my moments where they are and I have to try to figure out what's going on. And like, I, we're not perfect at the end of the day. Like there are going to be times that we make wrong decisions. But I think like you, you were talking about food, you know, 90% to fuel your body and 10%, you know, for those other great reasons. Like I have got to a point where I see food as fuel that I can, that can be enjoyed. Like, there's no reason that food has to be boring. There's no reason that food can't be celebrated with other people. Like, I think I've started really lately just to hone in on this idea that, like, one of the big things I see prevalent in diet culture, especially on, like, Instagram or YouTube or the internet, is, you know, the idea that you need to be the lone wolf when you're losing weight and that you should take yourself out of social situations and you should bar yourself from even partaking in them and things along those lines because you know you might be triggered and challenged. And I think at the end of the day, there are times where we have to do that to take care of ourselves. If we know we're not going to be able to control our, our eating or things along those lines. But I think there's something to be said about remembering to have that be a part of building it back into your life yes. mm-hmm. because we wouldn't exist as a people if people didn't come together over food, like right. gathering food is what brought people together in the first place that brought nomadic tribes together was the idea mm-hmm. that they needed food and shelter. And that idea of coming together not to just find food, but then to celebrate with food and to, and to celebrate life is something that is so important and intrinsically important to us as, as human beings. And obviously, it's a huge challenge for us all right now, you know, whether when people hear this or not, we're still under the, the social distancing of COVID-19, like removing that social element from our lives is having a much bigger impact on people than they think. And I think in the long run, if you take that element out of your life for years because you're focused on your weight loss journey it becomes harder to figure out yes. how to live life after because you're af- you start to become afraid of those situations and those things. And you have to make sure that you, you start to work on realizing what's actually important to you. And that the only thing that can, you, it can't just be, I understand. Let, let me, let me put this this way. So I don't ramble for four hours. Um, if you're 500 pounds, the scale probably is the most important thing in your life. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to take that away from someone because I know what that's like. I know that reality. I know that seeing that number change is sometimes the only thing that gets you out of the bed, get up, gets you out of bed some days, but that you have to realize there's a point where you have to transition away from seeing that as the only thing that's important to you to realizing that your whole life is important. And now that you're actually living your life and you're able to actually exist within it, you have to start to put your priorities elsewhere so that your priorities don't just stay focused on the scale and you find yourself lost when the scale's not moving anymore. When That's you're, right. when that you're hit, quote unquote done. Yeah, that hit me. I, ha- I had that point after my two excess skin removal surgeries and I got into bodybuilding and the number on the scale wouldn't change. My body mm. was, I was like, Ooh, my delts are getting bigger. My chest is getting bigger. All this stuff's happening. But mm. I had associated the dropping of the number on the scale as the only sense of progress. And so I had like a three yeah. month t- period I got, was getting frustrated mm-hmm. and like, why isn't this changing? Well, it's like, 
I'm, 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 I can do a peck dance now, but yeah. I, <laughs> oh yeah. But I couldn't do that before, but I didn't, right. I didn't associate that. Um, mm-hmm. so I completely agree. So I do have, uh, I have two questions for you, Gormy. Okay. Um, the first question is what piece of advice would you give someone who is debating or just starting keto? Strictly just keto. That's question um, one. My biggest piece of advice is get started, be consistent, and don't think about cheating. Okay. Don't even bring that into your head yet. Don't, don't ask. Your first question shouldn't be, when can I have a cheat meal when you approach keto? That shouldn't be your question because you should be approaching keto as a sustainable, livable way of life. As you should, like John said, like every, every approach you take to lose weight should be something you see yourself, you can see yourself doing for the rest of your life. That's right. I get that you might not. I get that you might not. I, I get there, there are people that want to lose weight with a ketogenic diet and then transition out of that. Nine times out of 10, like honestly, the ones that do that successfully transition to more of a paleo-based lifestyle because they're staying on the edge of the ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. If you just go completely back to a standard American diet, you can really kind of mess yourself up mentally, I think, switch, swapping the foods around and everything. But if it is something that you can see yourself doing sustainable, take that question off the plate and The other big part of that is don't, don't get paralyzed by the, all the information that's out there about it. Just pick a way, pick a plan and start and then allow yourself to tweak as you move along and, and course correct and figure out different things that'll work for you. Very good. And question two, and this is a favorite question of mine when I get on podcast. So I'm going to pass this question on to you now. If mm-hmm. you could go back and talk to Michael Gorman at 12 years old, going into a Weight Watchers meeting, who has no idea what the rest of his life is going to bring him, what would you tell him? You're getting me, man. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to cry. Um, I need that real emotion from you, Gorman. I love it. I just, I would want to shake him and say that food isn't as important as you think it is. Um, It's not, there's more to life than food. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Amen to that, brother. Amen to Mm -hmm. that. Well, I think that, uh, I think we hit hit all the bases here today, boys. So, Mm -hmm. Mike, thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on here, blessing us and being our first guest today. I hope that you, uh, you enjoyed us as much as we enjoyed you. Um, uh, for everyone listening, tell them where they can find you. Sure. Well, thanks. First, thanks, guys, for having me on. Uh, I'm excited to you know, see where this venture goes for y'all. And I know you're, you, you're going to do some great stuff. I, it was really easy to talk to both of you. Uh, for where people can find me, as we hinted at a couple times along the way, um, I have a podcast called The Fat Guy Forum that you can find on Apple Spotify, everywhere you, you look, Stitcher, every platform you look for, for podcasts. And it focus, focuses specifically on, on the weight loss journeys of men. Um, so look for the Fat Guy Forum. You can also find me mostly on Instagram at gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. Um, I'm enjoying being on there a lot. Um, that's kind of like the primarily social platform I work on. And one of the new things that's happening for me. So by the time you hear this, this podcast going on, um, you can go and find out that I am a now a one-on-one coach with true nutrition coaching, um, which is a program created by my friend, the keto road, 
So if you go to theketoroad.com, you can find true nutrition coaching information. We do a group coaching program and then one-on-one nutritional coaching and mindset coaching if you're interested in the keto lifestyle. Awesome. Thank you again. David, you have any last thoughts? Um, That's actually perfect for me. You actually hit my last question, which is just like, um, because I love, I love story teach tool. It's like you, you Mm -hmm. like stories, obviously someone's story is what inspires someone to make change. Um, You need foundational teaching points that someone can at least implement to move them in a direction, whatever that may be. Um, But also there is a sense of at least some kind of tool that someone can tangibly start to utilize that they can learn from themselves and stuff is, do you have any recommendations of tools to utilize um, that someone's that's taking the, the keto um, lifestyle as a, as a standpoint, do you have any tools that you'd recommend? Um, I think the, we already talked about one of them. I think that, that is, um, count total carbs, not net carbs. Um, because it, you have to be more honest with yourself in terms of how you approach food. Um, I think as far as like actual tools, I don't, for me, what resonates with that is, is things along the lines of, of specifically the Instagram keto community. Like the Instagram keto community is phenomenal in terms of being a supportive, diverse environment where not everyone follows the same plan and program. And you can always find someone to answer a question related to, does this fit with the keto lifestyle? Does that fit with the keto lifestyle? Or how do I, how do I make this happen? Or I'm, this is what I'm craving. What do I do? Like, how do I handle this? Like, I think there's something really magical about that community. And so within that community, there's so many awesome different things like um, KetoCon, which is like a convention of people coming together to talk about keto and things along those lines. And just really that accountability network, um, I think is a fantastic tool. Like if you want me to give like a very specific resource, like I think if someone is looking for a great overview of the keto diet and doesn't want to buy a book because you're not ready to put that money out, um, there's a website called dietdoctor.com that's run out of um, Switzerland, I believe. Um, and there are a lot of doctors and researchers that work in the low carb, carb science sphere. And they have this amazing graphical representation of, of what a keto diet looks like. Nice. And it's a great, a great jumping off point for people just to look and get an idea of what should a shopping list even look like or what foods can I, can I eat? Like just to answer some of those basic questions. Um, I think they're, you know, they're a very kind of straight shooting they're not swayed in either directions or like to tell you to eat one ratio or another one or anything along those lines. Like it's very basic and, and very graphically represented, like some visual pictures and things. So I, I always send people there because I think that's something that, you know, gives people at least an idea. And then if they come back and they say, well, I want more information on muscle building or I want more information on just focusing on fat loss. Like then there's different places and people you can talk to, but I think there's, there's some great kind of beginner resources out there. Perfect. Perfect. I like that. I didn't, I didn't even know that. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Gormy, You're very love welcome. you, brother. Thank you for doing this. Love it's you, a man. pleasure Thanks, and an guys. honor. Thank you, bro. Toodles, Thank fam. You.